Hey there, and welcome to episode number one of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. To start off by telling you a bit about myself, introducing myself to you, my name is Jeff, I'm Canadian, I hail from Calgary, Alberta, I'm a former radio guy now dabbling in podcasting, internet radio and voiceover work, who manages to make multiple trips to Las Vegas every year. And when I say multiple, I don't mean two or three. As an example, for 2018, I've completed six trips so far, with one more still to come. Last year, I did seven trips. In 2016, I managed five trips. And in 2015, I did four trips. And in that time, I've learned a lot about the city, gone to a lot of shows, eaten a lot of great meals, and made some amazing friends. After this most recent trip, I thought it was about time that I started sharing some of my adventures with the world, even though the official slogan of Sin City is, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Regardless, I figured some folks might appreciate hearing about my trips, even deciding to follow in my footsteps when it comes to the shows I see, the restaurants I enjoy, and the hotels I stay at. So without any further ado, let's get this episode going. It's an in-depth report of my most recent trip from November the 12th to November 14th, 2018. Day one, November 12th. I arrived at McCarran Airport in the morning, around 11.30, grabbed my suitcase, headed to the rideshare pickup spot, and hailed a ride. 10 minutes later, the ride was there. Now, believe it or not, somebody actually tried to steal my lift. In the rudest way a Canadian can, I told them off, simply by saying, Nice try, smiling and laughing. Quick 20-minute ride with Alfonso over to the Flamingo. Solid five-star ride. Had some great conversations with the guy. Super nice guy. Talked all about his life in Vegas, the times that I've spent in Vegas. It was a really good chat. Came through the front door of the Flamingo and was hit with that familiar Flamingo scent. If you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Kind of a, a coconutty, suntan, lotiony, right into the nostril smell. Not entirely unpleasant, but not entirely pleasant either. Uh, used the kiosk to try to check in. Kiosk wanted to charge me a $30 fee to check in early. I debated on trying to check in with a person instead to see if I could get that waived, but lineup was huge and it was only going to be about an hour or so before I was able to check in anyway, so decided to go store my bags. Headed outside to the bag drop, stood in line with everyone else who's too cheap to pay for an early check-in. Now... Here's where I ran into a bit of a dilemma. I want to talk about tipping for a second. The woman who took my bags dropped some not-so-subtle hints about tipping her. My favorite was when she said, well, when you come back to pick up your bags, or if you get them brought up to your room, it'll be someone else bringing them back to you. And then she stared at me. She might as well have stuck her hand out, expecting me to, to put a few bucks in there. Now, this is where I'm getting a tad annoyed with Vegas and the tipping culture. I get it. Vegas is a service-oriented town, and I will always, and I do mean always, tip on good service or if someone goes out of their way to go the extra distance for me. Bartenders and servers will always get at least a 20% tip out of me. If a desk clerk does something extra for me, like gives me a complimentary upgrade, they're definitely getting a tip. But in this situation... I'm a little foggy on tipping. Like, I'm giving you money to take my bags away and put them in a room for a couple of hours. That's it. You know who is going to get a tip, though? The person who finds the bags and brings them back to me in a timely manner. Maybe I'm being a dick. I, I personally, I don't think so. 
I believe that tipping is legit out of control in Vegas. Everybody and their dog wants a tip. The guy who opens the door when I walk into the casino is expecting a tip. The guy who opens the cab door when I step out of the cab wants a tip. The guy who hails the cabs for me at the cab stand wants a tip. All you're doing is blowing a whistle and waving. I mean, it's gotten so ridiculous that back in August of 2017, the doorman at MGM Properties in Vegas actually filed a union grievance with the company over MGM's partnership with Uber, saying that was costing them tips. They tried to claim that because MGM was promoting Uber, fewer people were using cabs and limos, which service the main entrance areas of most of the hotels, which meant less tips for the doorman. Now, more people using rideshare couldn't have anything to do with cab companies in Vegas trying to screw people over, could it? Yeah, but I digress. After dropping my bags and hoping they wouldn't be kicked down a set of stairs due to my lack of tipping, I decided to go find a bite to eat. Found myself at In-N-Out Burger on the Link Promenade. You really can't go wrong with In-N-Out. It's, it's great food for what it is. It's just a little bit higher than your standard fast food, and it's always amazing. I snagged a double-double, fries and a chocolate shake, grabbed a seat out on the patio. Uh, super busy. And so lots of folks around, lots of people looking for places to sit. I ended up being joined at my table by a lovely family who were in town for the Rock and Roll Marathon, which had just happened the day before I arrived. Had a great chat with them, talked all about the marathon, talked about my hometown of Calgary. They had actually been up to, to Banff and Jasper and done that trek through the mountains uh, the summer before. So we had some good chats there. I shared some tips on restaurants and shows with them. We went our separate ways had a great conversation. I uh, did a little bit of wandering up the promenade to the strip, and then I headed down the strip over to the CVS out beside Bally's. Getting close to check-in time at the hotel, so I wanted to grab some supplies for my room, some snacks, some drinks, etc. One of my guilty US pleasures is A&W cream soda. I absolutely love this stuff. We used to have it in Canada when I was a kid, but it hasn't been around since the 90s. So whenever I'm in town, one of my first stops is CVS or, or, or Walgreens, and I'll grab a couple of bottles from my room. I have to have it. Uh, once I got those, back to the kiosks at the Flamingo where everything went easy breezy, got myself checked in, headed outside to go snag my bag from the bell desk, and guess what? Person who brought me my bag, same one who took it from me. So I tipped her. She got her tip in the end. A few minutes later, I'm back inside, headed up to my room. Um, I managed to score a comp room through Caesars Total Rewards. By the way, if you are not signed up on any of the loyalty plans, whether it's Caesars Total Rewards or M Life through MGM, you need to get yourself signed up. They're constantly sending out offers for complimentary rooms and show tickets and buffets. You've got to get yourself signed up. And I'm not a big gambler at tall, like not a big slot player, not a big gambler at all, but you got to get yourself signed up for these things so you can take advantage of some of these deals. Um, I had been set up with a go room with a high roller view. Room was in the spa tower facing north and east, which was not bad. I've never been in the spa tower before. Uh, the room was one of the non-renovated rooms, which was a little disappointing. Still looked a little tired and dated and old. Two queen beds, had a view of the pool area in the Link High Roller. It was nice enough. Once I settled in, decided to uh, fire up Netflix on my tablet, grab a bit of a nap. I love watching Netflix in other countries. 
Because it's not the same shows and movies when you go to the U.S. as it is in Canada. America, your Netflix, it's awesome. Never complain about it. I'm just going to leave that there. Side note, though, regarding Wi-Fi. Caesars Properties still has the archaic two-device limit in place, which in my mind in this day and age is insanity. I was by myself and I had three devices that could potentially be connected to Wi-Fi. I had my laptop, I had my iPad, and I had my iPhone. If I wanted to have all three available, it was gonna cost me extra money. As far as I know, MGM has removed this from their properties, at least I haven't noticed it in place in my last few stays at uh, Park MGM, Mirage, and Luxor. Uh, and I know for a fact that TI, Treasure Island, they don't have a limit on devices. So if anyone from Caesars is listening, or if anybody listening knows anybody that works for Caesars, try and push them to drop that device limit, please. After catching a few brief Z's, decided it was time to grab a bite to eat and head out to the event that I was going to be attending that night. Craving nine fine Irishmen at New York, New York. Love that place. Off I went. Walked out the front of the Flamingo, over to Bally's, across to the Bellagio, down the Strip, walking in front of the Bellagio Fountains. Strip was a little bit busier than I'd expected for a Monday, but... It was the day after the Rock and Roll Marathon, which brings in tens of thousands of people every year, and it was the tail end of a Canadian long weekend, so understandable that it would be as busy as it was. Down the street, decided to cut through the Cosmopolitan Hotel. First thing I noticed when I walked in the door, the Bond Bar, which was always a great spot for people watching. Not as great of a, a spot for people watching as the Chandelier Bar, but the Bond Bar was always a good spot. Um, it's gone. They had uh, some tarps up blocking the space off. I'm not sure if they're just renovating it or if they're turning it into something totally new and different. I do have trips already planned for later this year and early next year, so I'm sure I'll be able to see it at that point and see what they've done there with the Cosmo. I headed out, continued on my way to New York, New York, and on the way decided to cut through the new Park MGM, which used to be the Monte Carlo. They started making the transition over to Park MGM at the end of 2016, and it officially became the Park MGM um, in May of this year. Reviews on the property have been pretty meh, including from myself. I've stayed there three times, with all three stays being at various stages of construction. Most recently, I stayed there in July, and although the rooms and the pool area are complete, the front of the resort is still blocked off and under construction. Again, my thoughts, still pretty blah. The uh, the public areas of the resort are bland, not a lot of character, just seems really generic, in my opinion, quite lacking. Um, there's no late night dining options on site currently, and the dining options that do exist are quite limited. The casino bar, it just seems really out of place. There's no atmosphere. It's just kind of slapped down in the middle of the gaming area. The sports book always looks deserted, and compared to other resorts, the gaming area is is really, really small. Like, it's just really small, not laid out well. And, and as I mentioned, the main front area of the resort is still under construction. It's going to house uh, a restaurant called Itali, um, an, an, an Italian marketplace kind of restaurant. That's going to be open 24 hours. It is opening very soon, by the way. Uh, there's also going to be a new nightclub in the uh, the property called On the Record, uh, slated to open to the public on New Year's Eve. 
I slipped out the back way, the Park MGM on the T-Mobile Arena side, headed over into New York, New York, found my way to Nine Fine Irishmen, which is easily one of my favorite Vegas spots. It's essentially... It's an Irish pub. They have live entertainment every night after 9 o'clock. They've got a, a huge uh, a beer menu and a fantastic food menu. Bellied up to the bar, ordered a Guinness, which is one of the happy hour specials, and without even looking at the menu, I ordered the bangers and mash. Love the bangers and mash. Outstanding as always. Once I finished there, I headed over to the Luxor via the Excalibur, uh, to connect with a good friend of mine. I call him my Canadian brother from another mother. His name is Mark Chinook. Now, Mark is making a name for himself in Vegas in a big way. Mark and I have known each other for about five years. We met while he was one of the leads in uh, the now-defunct production of Rock of Ages, which opened up the Venetian and then made the move over to the Rio. Uh, Mark currently holds down gigs as the in-game host for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's the MC at Magic Mike Live at the Hard Rock Hotel. He's also become known in town for his amazing charity work. He is the host and creator of a show called Monday's Dark. It's a twice-monthly show held at his off-strip venue called The Space. Monday's Dark raises $10,000 every two weeks for local Vegas charities, and each show features a different musical theme. The tickets range anywhere from $20 to $50. All the proceeds go into charity. There's always silent auctions and prizes and lots of great drinks, and you never know who's going to be there to perform. Mark basically puts the call out to all of his, his Vegas friends from all the different shows, and again, you never know who's going to be there to perform. From personal experience, I've attended numerous Monday's Dark shows. And I can honestly tell you, it is the best entertainment value that you're going to find in Vegas. After Mark and I enjoyed a couple of beverages, we headed over to the eSports Arena uh, for Lisa Marie Smith's EP release party. This was my main reason for being in town. I met Lisa a couple of years ago after a Monday's Dark show. And in the time that we've known each other, honestly, Lisa has become one of my best friends. Um, she was one of the stars in the show Pin Up at the Stratosphere. From there, she moved on to be part of the original cast in the now-closed uh, Baz, a musical mashup at the Palazzo. That also was an absolutely amazing show. Um, otherwise, she can be found performing all over Vegas or answering any one of my many goofy text messages. She recently signed a deal with Fervor Records to release a five-song EP. When she did this, she texted me, told me all about it, said, I'm going to be holding a, a, a an EP release party sometime in November. I'll tell you when it is. And I said, yeah, like, let me know if I can be there. I will be there. She texted me with the date. It worked out in my schedule. And guess what? I was able to be there. And I was so happy that I was able to share this night with her. First off, I'm going to talk about the venue. Esports Arena in the Luxor. It's got the potential to be something amazing. And I would say it's about 75% of the way there. They've got 
dozens of, uh, of PCs scattered all throughout the building. This is intended for gamers to come in and play. Uh, they've also got some classic retro gaming systems for the old farts like me set up. They've got NES in there. They've got an Atari system in there. They've got uh, the old uh, the the Super Nintendo. They've got the original Xbox. I think I even saw TurboGrafx-16 in there. It's very, very cool. And then, of course, they've got all the current gaming systems as well. Um, they have multiple bars set up. They've got a full food menu, which is a fantastic idea. The live music area where Lisa performed is a great setup. The sound was amazing. The stage is really well laid out. And if they do it right, this is going to be the new spot to see bands. While I was there, I also had a chance to catch up with a few other members of my Vegas family. And I call them my Vegas family because you know what? In the years that I've been going there, they really have adopted me as as a member of their family. Uh, Kenny Davidson was was one of the guys that, that I got to hang out with while I was there. He is an absolutely amazing piano player. If you're ever down in Vegas and you happen to be there uh, on a, uh, a Wednesday night, uh, you need to go check out uh, Kenny. He hosts and plays piano at a place called Don't Tell Mama. It's over on Fremont Street. It's kind of a piano bar, karaoke-ish type place. And as Kenny likes to joke, he knows two out of three songs. Every two out of three, every songs that that he knows that people request, he knows and is able to play, which is very, very cool. Uh, he also hosts his own show, the Celebrity Piano Bar. He does that every Friday night at the Tuscany Hotel, which is just off the strip. And I met him again through Mark Chinook as the uh, the band leader for Monday's Dark. He's always on stage playing piano for, for Monday's Dark. It was also a pleasure getting to meet some new people. Christina Shaw, who uh, co-hosts a podcast with Kenny Davidson, and she's also one of the featured performers in Legends in Concert at the Flamingo. I also had the chance to meet John Katzlametis, who is a columnist with the uh, Las Vegas Review Journal. He covers the entertainment scene in Vegas, so he's gotten to know a lot of really, really cool people. After Lisa's show was done, I partook in what's known as the Vegas Goodbye, which lasts approximately 45 minutes and consists of you having to try to say goodbye and sneak away from every person in the room. It's so much fun. I love it down there. Headed back over to New York, New York once that was done. Decided to uh, check out Coyote Ugly, which is usually a pretty decent spot on any night. This night, however crowd was pretty light so I only stayed for one beer and decided I needed a bite to eat so out onto the strip I went walked over to the park MGM down to the Bellagio via the free tram then took a stroll down to the Venetian to grab food and one last beer at another one of my favorite spots the Grand Lux Cafe they have a giant late night menu and at that time of the night it's usually pretty easy to grab a spot at the bar which is exactly what I did had a bite to eat it was fantastic as always. Once I was done there, I thought I'd try my luck on the slots of the Venetian, but I actually had to stop and leave. Not because I ran out of money. I did, but that wasn't the reason I left. I left because of the casino girls, the ladies of the night who roam the floor looking for love and offering to play the part of Lady Luck. They were particularly aggressive and honestly, really annoying like you're sitting there you're just trying to play the slots you're just trying to enjoy your night and you're constantly being bothered i finally just gave up on it cashed out took the last 18 cents that i had left headed up and outside to find the strip 
almost completely deserted. It seemed like the only folks who were out there were the quote-unquote locals, and for the first time ever, I actually felt a bit nervous about being out on the strip alone. I feel better when the strip is jammed with people or if there's at least a few other tourists. Anyways, I made my way back to the Flamingo and was back in my room ready to crash by about 1.30. All in all, a very, very busy but good first day in town. Day 2, November 13th. The day started at 5.30 a.m. as I was woken out of my slumber by the phone ringing. Not my cell phone, but the actual hotel room phone. I answered it and got a recording for a wake-up call that I had not requested. The message mentioned something about Bally's, so I'm guessing somebody screwed something up and entered in the wrong number. So to whoever the people in room 23011 at Bally's were, I'm sorry you didn't get your wake-up call, and I'm sorry that you probably missed a flight home. I woke up on my own a few hours later and headed downstairs for breakfast. I made the trek over to the link to chow down at another one of my favorite spots, Guy Fieri's Vegas Kitchen and Bar. This is another spot where I don't even look at the menu. For me, it's all about the Fieri family French toast. Trust me, Google this. You will love it. I then proceeded to spend the morning wandering the strip and doing some window shopping. I hit all the big shopping spots, uh, Fashion Show Mall, the Forum Shops at Caesars Palace, and then headed down to the Miracle Mile Shops at Planet Hollywood. Now, a quick aside here. When I was walking from Fashion Show Mall back towards Caesars, I cut through Treasure Island, came out the side where you can see the big marquee sign, and noticed them installing a new sign on there which read in large font, all caps, free parking. Now they're clearly going after their competition on strip, a majority of whom are charging for parking, anywhere from nine bucks to $15 a day, which when you compare it to parking fees at other hotels elsewhere, doesn't sound like a lot until you combine it with the 35 to $40 per day resort fee that most properties are now charging as well. Anyway, once I was shopped out, I decided to grab a coffee at Starbucks and spend some time at my mom's bench at the Flamingo. I need to explain here. Um, a little less than a year ago, my mom passed away quite suddenly from a very rare and aggressive bone cancer. She never really had much of a chance to travel until she retired, and when she did so, she made several trips to Las Vegas. It was one of her favorite destinations, and the Flamingo was her favorite spot to stay. She had flamingos all over her apartment. She had flamingo ornaments and flamingo lawn decorations. Again, she was a flamingo fanatic. So after she'd been cremated, my wife and I made the decision to spread some of her ashes at the Flamingo, which we did back in May of 2018 when we were down there on a trip together. We found a nice quiet spot behind a bench outside the entrance by the valet parking. So now, every time I go back to Vegas, I spend a little bit of time with my mom, just sitting, relaxing on the bench, watching the world go by, having conversations in my head with her. It's really very nice and, and quiet and relaxing. After I was done my coffee, I decided to head back up to my room to chill for a bit and uh, make plans for the night. And that was the big question. 
what should I do that night? I had nothing planned, no idea of what I wanted to do. So I made the decision to go take in a show solo. No big deal. I've done it before on several trips, so why not now? Here's my big Vegas confession. All the trips that I've made, not once have I ever been to a Cirque du Soleil show. So I decided to treat myself. Uh, hopped online, Vegas.com, decided to see what was playing, and scored a half-price ticket to The Beatles' Love at the Mirage. This is a show that's actually been on my radar for quite some time. Turns out the seat I got was incredible. Any closer to the stage, and I'd have pretty much been a part of the show. The row I was in only had three seats. I had the aisle seat, and I was the second seat, second row from the stage. It was incredible. I've seen multiple shows in Vegas. I mean, I've seen, I saw Baz when it was playing. I've seen Absinthe. I saw Rock of Ages six times while I was there. I can honestly say... This is one of the best I've ever seen. If you're a Beatles fan, you are going to love the music. The staging and the production is incredible. There's always something happening. I feel like I need to go back to see the show again and maybe sit a little bit higher so I can get more of a, a panoramic view of what was going on because there was stuff that was literally happening over top of you that you were missing because you were looking forward. It was incredible. And of course, the acrobatics of the show are amazing. Pre-show, grab dinner at Otoro Robotic Grill and Sushi in the Mirage. Again, a fantastic meal. I went in and I didn't want to eat anything too heavy because I knew I was going to be sitting through a show. So I went in and had the, uh, the shrimp and scallop spring roll and ordered the assorted tempura uh, with veggies and prawns, which I washed down with a Japanese old-fashioned. If you're into Japanese cuisine, uh, you got to go and check this spot out. It, it was fantastic. Post-show, I made a stop at the Center Bar in the Mirage, which is one of my favorite spots to grab a beer. The service is always fantastic. The bartenders are attentive and quick and always making sure you've got a beverage in your hand. And I have to say the people watching at the Center Bar in the Mirage, I would say second only to Chandelier Bar at the Cosmo. It's always a fantastic spot. You've got a great view of the entire bar and a good view out onto the casino floor. Again, one of my favorite spots to go. Um, after I finished that, I headed next door to Caesar's Palace and decided on the Alto Bar for a couple of beverages. Again, another great spot for people watching, especially due to its uh, close proximity to the entrance to Omnia, which is, if you're not familiar with it, one of the largest clubs on the Vegas Strip. The lineups are always incredible, which means, again, the people watching is fantastic. Alto was really busy, um, but the bartenders, again, really attentive, really fast, and just a nice, chill environment. Good music playing. It was just a, a good spot to have a couple of beverages. After finishing my drink there, I decided to go try my luck on the slots. Now, Caesars is a place where I've had some pretty decent slot success before, but no joy this time. Uh, after burning through a few bucks there, I headed across the street to the Cromwell to try my luck there. Again, nothing. At that point, getting late, I was getting tired, I was getting frustrated, so I thought I'd best head home to the Flamingo. Briefly popped into the casino there to try the slots before retiring for the night, and again, nothing. So, headed up to the room, called in a night again. 
around 1.30 in the morning. Day three, November 14th. I was up and about by around 9 a.m., decided I was going to spend some time off the strip. I strolled up to the Tuscany Suites and Casino, which is east of the strip on Flamingo Road. It's about a 10 or 15 minute walk out the back door of the Flamingo. I grabbed a mocha and a breakfast sandwich from Cafe Bottega, which is a quaint little coffee shop in the hotel. It's won a Best of Las Vegas Gold Award in both 2017 and 2018. In addition to it being amazingly delicious, it was also super reasonably priced. 10 bucks all in for the mocha and a breakfast sandwich. If you ordered those same things at any of the big places on the strip, like if you went to a Starbucks or any of the food halls, you're going to be paying like 15 or $20 for this. So definitely worth the walk off the strip. Again, Cafe Bottega in the, uh, the Tuscany Suites and Casino. Absolutely fantastic. After I finished up there, I made the walk further east on Flamingo to the National Atomic Testing Museum. Now, I know it sounds kind of nerdy, but it's really, really cool. It's a Smithsonian Institution-associated museum that goes through the entire history of atomic testing by the United States, both in Nevada and elsewhere around the world. They've got a ton of really cool artifacts, some amazing interactive displays. They even have a simulated atmospheric bomb blast that they do in the Ground Zero Theater. You gotta see this for yourself. Tickets are just $22 for adults, $18 for seniors and students, 16 bucks for youth and kids under six are free. Now, this place is a little bit of a hidden gem. I actually mentioned it to my friend Lisa at dinner later that night. And in spite of living in Vegas for 20 years, she'd never heard of the place. Highly rated on TripAdvisor, and I would definitely recommend making it a stop on your next trip to Vegas if you're looking for something to do and you want to get off the strip. After I was done at the museum, I walked the 30 minutes or so back to the strip and caught the SDX bus to the South Premium Outlet Mall. Side note for you here, if you want a quick and cheap way to get around, The SDX, the Strip Downtown Express, is the way to do it. $8 for a 24-hour pass. The bus runs all the way from the South Premium Outlet Mall to the North Premium Outlet Mall. Makes stops in between, including the famous Welcome to Las Vegas sign. Uh, Also hits downtown Las Vegas and Fremont Street. And there are limited stops along the Strip, both north and southbound, which means you move along pretty quickly along there. A lot faster. A lot of people prefer to take the Deuce, the double-deckered bus, which, again, is $8 for a 24-hour pass. But it stops at every stop along the Strip, and it'll take you forever to get along the Strip. So, again, if you want to get somewhere relatively quickly and relatively cheaply, the SDX, definitely the way to do it. Now back to the shopping. It's been a while since I've been to the South Premium Outlet Mall and it was a lot nicer than I remembered it. I always thought of it as a little bit run down, the store selection not all that great, but it seems like they've done some renovations. They've improved the variety of stores. Also, if you're driving there, the parking is still free, unlike its uh, sister mall up in the north. After doing some wandering, I headed out, caught the SDX back to the Strip, getting off in front of the Paris and walking back to the Flamingo to relax before my last night in town. Later on in the evening, reconnected with my friend Lisa Marie Smith for dinner, we decided on Asian and we checked out Yong Kang Street at the Paris Hotel. The menu, 
fantastic. The restaurant features over 20 varieties of dim sum, if that's what you're into. They actually have dim sum carts that they walk around the restaurant with. They offer you items from the cart, and each item falls into a, a different group, an A, a B, or a C group, and each group is, is priced appropriately. Or, if you so choose, you can just order off the menu, which is what I did. I had the Dan Dan noodles with barbecue pork. Absolutely amazing. Definitely a spot that I will head back to. After dinner, I parted ways with Lisa, who had a gig that she had to get to that night. Thought I'd try my hand at the slots again to see if by chance they'd maybe loosened up a little bit from the previous day. Paris, Bally's, the Cromwell, the Flamingo, all gladly took my money, but refused to give any of it back. Once I was out of fun money, it was up to the room to pack and uh, crash for the night thanks to uh, having an early flight booked home the next morning. So to wrap things up, all in all, it was a good trip to Vegas. I had the chance to spend some quality time with my friends down there, who I refer to as my Vegas family. I enjoyed some fantastic entertainment. I ate some amazing meals and I did a ton of walking. Now the countdown is on to the next trip, December 16th through to 20th. My wife's going to be joining me on this trip. We're booked into Caesar's Palace for our stay, which is going to be interesting as I've never stayed there before. I've walked through the casino, I've been to the lounges, I've eaten at the restaurants, but again, never stayed there before. Already on the schedule, the Monday's Dark 5th anniversary celebration is happening at the Joint in the Hard Rock Hotel, and I have to deliver homemade butter tarts to my Canadian brother from another mother, Mark Chinook, as I make good on a bet that we made last spring during the Winnipeg Jets' Vegas Golden Knights Western Conference Final during the Stanley Cup playoffs. I hope that you've enjoyed this rather lengthy and detailed trip report, and I hope you'll stay posted for the next one coming up at the end of December. I'd also just like to add, if you want to get in touch with me with comments on the trip report or suggestions of places for me to check out on my next trip to Vegas, feel free to drop me an email at jeff at walkernewmedia.com and make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well at Walker New Media. Thank you so much for checking out episode number one of Jeff Does Vegas. Oh,